Why do women stay? That is a, a question. It's a tough question being asked tonight, of course, following the tragic deaths of an Ajax mom and her two teen kids. And as we learn more details as they come out, it is clear that there were signs that the accused had been reportedly jealous and reports that she was and had been trying to leave. And yet here we have yet three more victims adding to another growing list. And since the start of the year, shockingly, 13 women and children have been killed at the hands of their partners. So why is this happening? Why are we seeing such a sudden spike? I'll bring Megan Walker into the conversation. She is the executive of the London uh, London Abused Women's Centre. Megan, I think a lot of people hear stories about what we're learning in Ajax. And the first question is, why did she stay? There had been reports that she had tried to leave the accused, um, you know, the, that he might be a jealous guy. But why do women stay It's a really good question and one that we are often asked. And we do try to shift the dialogue away from asking why women stay to one where we're asking why men continue to abuse. Because we know that oftentimes uh, women have no choice but to stay. They are most at risk Mm -hmm. of serious injury or uh, being murdered at the time of separation. They've received numerous threats in the past in their relationship with the abuser, and he's always followed through on them. And so when he says to her, if you leave me, I will kill you or I will kill your children, she takes those um, threats very seriously and oftentimes is forced to stay because in the long run, that is what's in the best interests of her and her children. Right. And and I've spoken with women who, who tell me that, you know, I I can't put my children at risk, so I have to be careful, and, and it's easier for me to stay because if I go, then I put them more at risk. But when you look at this case, and I, I need to be careful because he's simply charged right now, um, you know, it takes a particular kind of rage for, I think, any person um, to go after a woman's children. And, and not necessarily with this case, but in general, it, it takes it to a completely different level. I think what happens and what we've seen even in London where children have been killed is that the abuser uh, feels he's losing total control over the woman if she decides to leave. And he's very possessive. Uh, he's all about power and control. And his philosophy is that, you know, if I can't have you, nobody can. Mm-hmm. Or his philosophy is, I'm going to make sure something so horrific happens to you that you will suffer the rest of your life. And in those cases, he may either mur- there may be a murder-suicide, a murder of the woman and the children, or just the murder of the children so that the woman suffers for the rest of her life. You know, the other the other conversation that comes up is the shock, you know, that while there may have been signs there, people are always shocked because they don't know really what goes on behind closed doors. And is that because women just simply don't talk about it? I think people believe their neighborhoods are all exempt uh, from this sort of um, disaster or catastrophe from happening. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do is open our eyes and look beyond the walls of our own homes and pay attention. I think so often, you know, we ask women and, and then they say what's going on, but we don't offer to help. Or we say, oh, my God, I can't believe it. You know, John's such a great guy. And all of those things further silence witness or women 
women and make them feel very isolated and alone. We need to talk to women openly if we suspect something is happening. We need to make sure that when they tell our stories, we don't question them and make them believe they're responsible for what's happening in their homes. And we need to make sure that any shame or blame they may feel is not theirs to carry, but rightfully belongs to their abuser. And most importantly, we need to help women in reaching out for help. So all of these things are measures we need to do in the immediate. immediate. Mm -hmm. And of course, we also need to start as a society taking uh, a more systemic approach towards long-term sustainable changes for women by starting with educating kids at a very young age about the value of girls and women. Well, you know, it's interesting because since since the change of the year in 2018, we're not even in the end of March, and we've already had 13 domestic disputes that have led to the death of, of 13 women and children. That that number seems to me staggeringly high. Or is it is that out of uh, the realm that we normally are in? What's very high for the first three months of uh, in one province. And what it suggests to me is that what we're doing isn't working. So what all levels of government are doing is not working. What society is doing is not working. And we need to invest resources to ensure that every woman has immediate access to service or a shelter bed in this country. And we need to make sure that every single woman who calls somebody for help is provided with a safety plan. There are many strategies we can utilize to help keep women safe. And we need to make sure that women are reaching out so that they have access to those strategies. And so what are the signs? Like, people will be saying, well, maybe I missed a sign, but what is it that people should look for um, if they want to help somebody or if you're in that situation? I think we need to look for for um, signs such as a woman who no longer wants to go to work. Um, her employer, uh, you know, she may have been a great uh, employee and then all of a sudden she no longer comes to work or when she comes to work she's exhausted or when she comes to work she's withdrawn um, and fearful. And so employers have a responsibility to look at that and ask what's going on at home. We also need to make sure we pay attention to what's happening to children. Mm-hmm. If children are missing a lot of school, sometimes it's because they're fearful to leave their mom alone at home, and so they'll pretend to be sick so they can stay at home to sort of falsely in their mind protect mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so teachers and educators need to be aware of this. We need to be aware that a woman presents before a physician um, with symptoms of depression, that we they need to get to the source of the problem and not just automatically prescribe a medication, which may yeah. make her less able to care for herself. And we need to make sure that if we suspect this is happening in somebody's home, we approach women and ask them about it, and that also we're approaching men and saying your behavior is illegal, it's inappropriate, it's harmful to your children and your partner. Yeah. Very sad story. It's just we continually hear of them. It's very, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, every year we think we're going to make, uh, have some differences and some changes. And yet when we see this continued uh, onslaught of murder yeah. against women and children by the men that are supposed to love them, I think it's time that we all stand up and say, you know, this is a war on women and we need to approach it as such. Megan, thank you. Thank you so much. Take good care. And that is Megan Walker joining us, uh, who would likely see this on a daily, daily basis. And any woman that I have spoken to who has had to flee a situation, sometimes it takes years and years to get out. In fact, I just interviewed someone a couple of months ago whose husband tried to kill her. 
And um, it took her years to get out of that situation because, of, again, when you've got children, it's just not that easy to get out. And then you have to think of, you know, what if they find you? So I think fear absolutely keeps a lot of women in these situations. So just a terrible story. And, um, you know, as we've been reporting, we've seen this spike since the new year of this. So what is leading to that?